With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Looking for a newer used vehicle? Browse online at tradeandpaper.com. Cincinnati's free online classifieds. Search inventories from local automobile dealers. List your own vehicles and unwanted items for free and turn them into cash. Go to tradeandpaper.com. This is a special podcast presentation. From 700WLW.com. This is Mark Amazon On Demand. Yes, sir! What the rock is cooking? Good evening, folks. It is the Rocky Boyman Show. It's a pleasure to be with you here tonight. As I'm sure all of you are well aware of by now, our great state of Ohio had an attack here this morning on the campus of Ohio State. Around 9.50 this morning, a suspect who has now been described as Abdul Razak Ali Artan, a Somalian man, um, decided to drive his Honda Civic over a curb and hit uh, upwards of 11 pedestrians around Watts Hall this morning. And uh, to give us uh, the bird's eye view of what's happening up there, I want to bring on our first guest. His name is Jared Allen of WTVN in Columbus. Jared, welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, Rock. How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. So what do we know about uh, the 18-year-old uh, suspect here, Abdul Artan? I, we've heard that um, he's been describing from Somalia, um, Islamic descent, uh, that, that sort of deal. But what else besides that? What do we know about his background? What do we know about how he actually got to Ohio State? Well, uh, just before he got to Ohio State, he was a student at Columbus State, which is a, a fraction of the size of Ohio State. And it was just pointed out to me in the last hour here that uh, Artan had been featured in an article that was written by uh, a reporter for The Lantern, which is a student newspaper at Ohio State. And in that article, he he was uh, apparently a third year logis- in logistics management. That's I'm kind of reading over the article as I talk to you here. Now, in this article, he says that he wanted to pray out in the open, but was scared with everything going on in the media. Now, uh, he also goes on here to say uh, that he's a Muslim, and it's not what the media portrays him to be. And he he also says here, Rock, that uh, if if people look at him, a Muslim praying on the OSU campus, he doesn't know what they're going to think and what's going to happen. So he's sort of taking the position of blaming the media for what had ailed him leading up to his attack. So, so I, I'm trying to figure out, obviously we can't ask him now because he's, he's right. deceased, but is he blaming the media for the portrayal of, of Muslims? I mean, because I would say largely the media goes out of their way, Jared, bends over backwards to portray Muslims in a very positive light. So do we know what he meant by this? Well, from the text that I'm reading here, uh, he 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 isn't really clear in this abridged interview that the lantern has published um you know obviously as you just said we can't ask him here i mean but my 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 question to this sort of thing is uh so you know 
in this situation, then if he took the action to mow people down or at least run into a crowd with a Honda Civic on the on the OSU campus, that it doesn't seem to me to be a, a valid you know way to get his point across. It, it's completely. Yeah. It's an opposite point of view. It makes no sense. Well, it, it obviously feeds right into the the very same narrative that uh, you know uh, that that is out there. That is okay if you are a Muslim uh, of Muslim descent, and in these terrorist kind of activities happen, this much must be the reason. So he's you know he was I would should say playing right into the the very thing he's trying to speak out against. It, it does seem that way. Um, according to this article, also he's he's he was eighteen and uh, had had transferred in because Columbus State, from from what I'm told, they have prayer rooms at Columbus State where someone can go in solitude and pray, where OSU, again, from what I'm told, does not have those facilities, so he was forced to pray where people could watch him. Jared, has anybody come forward and said that they knew this guy, any classmates, hey, I had a, you know, a math class with this guy, and he was like this, and we don't know, why, we've never seen this side of him, that sort of thing? Yeah, I haven't seen anything like that yet today. Tomorrow's a different day, of course, though. Uh, of course. Jared, what can you tell us about the one thing that stuck out to me that I th- thought was odd, and maybe you know it's just a conspiracy theory here, but the fire alarm. It's like they had a fire alarm, a fire drill, in this building, so now all of a sudden there's a bunch of students who normally would not be standing outside a, a, yeah. a residence hall or, 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 or you know that sort of thing. It's like they're sitting ducks. Was there any evidence or any rumors of a coordinated effort here at all? You know, that's something, Rock, that I'm still trying to piece together as a reporter. Some of this stuff still doesn't make sense to me, even at this hour, because I've heard that that fire alarm didn't actually happen. But then earlier on today, as I had been reporting on, on 700 and many other stations, that it did happen. So, I mean, we had also gotten uh, gotten word that there was an alarm about a chemical leak. I mean, so Watts Hall is uh, is a place for a materials uh, manufacturer study, so it would make sense that there would be a chemical leak alarm within that facility. Um, but again, what doesn't quite add up in my mind yet is why there would be 10 people in a group outside of Watts yeah. Hall at 10 in the morning giving him the opportunity to take that to take that target. Right, I and mean, it seems like an awful coincidence. And who knows what, what could happen here, but that's something again normally 99 days out of 100 or, or one probably one day out of the whole school year is there a fire alarm, right? And it's I don't know, it seems like an awful coincidence. So sure. Jared, any News, I'm, I'm sure, of what the authorities are looking at now. Obviously, the the, the bad part of, of him being dead, the only bad part is we can't question him and figure right. out all the ties and this and that. Do we know what authorities are, are looking at right now in terms of are they looking at family, are they looking at um, friends, that, that sort of deal? What, what do we know? Well, at 4 o'clock today, Rock, as you know, there was a, a news conference held at uh, one of the hospitals on campus. And, you know, they, they did say a lot in there, uh, but most of it was procedural in nature. They didn't really give up much of the investigation itself because, again, by at 4 o'clock today, the, the whole incident was only, you know, six hours old. Mm-hmm. So 
they were still piecing some things together at that point. What we do know, though, is directly from the president of Ohio State, Michael Drake, and he says that there is there's video of this guy's Honda Civic coming onto campus and, and on two different uh, roads, two different camera angles, one of which was the road that he was on when he took the action that he took. So they will be looking at those, uh, the, the stills and also the video from, from that, ev- and turning that into evidence, of course. Jared, do we know if he had a, a roommate? If he, did he live on campus? Did he live off campus? What, what are, what are the, of those details do we know? Yeah, I'm sure some of the, the Columbus television stations will be looking into that as well, and also the, the national guys too, but we, we don't know that just yet. We haven't really had time to dig into that just yet. Um, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna have your Facebook posts out there. You're gonna have, you know, people posting this and that on social media about what they did and did not know. But it's important also for, for pretty much anybody listening to my voice right now that, that stuff that's posted online, we can't necessarily use in a journalistic standpoint. We can't, we can't just go with it. We have to vet it first because if we put it in there, then it becomes part of the, the open public record, so to speak, and then it's just falsity, so we can't do that. So we have to wait. Right. Jared, last question before I let you go. What, what can you tell us about life on Ohio State's campus right now? How are the students doing? What, what's classes going to look like tomorrow and the rest of this week? Class as of tomorrow is on regular schedule right now. There was also really? a can yes, uh huh. There was also a candlelight vigil um, on campus tonight, which I did not get the opportunity to go to because I was busy processing this for the morning news. Um, I do want to point out, Rock, that uh, there there's one person whose name that we have not talked about in this in this conversation between you and I, and that is Officer Alan Haruchko, 28 yes. years old. Yep. He deserves a lot of credit because he saved a lot of lives today. No question. And reports I've read are he's actually a Fairfield native, which is just you know the northern part uh, of the city here. So absolute hero. Thank God uh, he was standing there with a gun and was in the right place at the right time. Or th- this could have got really, really nasty. This guy jumps out of a car and has a yeah. butcher knife and, and all this. So certainly you're right. Uh, Alan, uh, I forget, how, I can't pronounce his name, Her- uh, Haruka Joe? Haruchko. Haruchko, yeah. Alan Haruchko, yeah. uh, certainly a hero. Well, Jared, we're going to let you go, man, but appreciate your time here. I'm sure yeah. we'll be talking tomorrow. Uh, great stuff, and uh, we'll do it again, okay? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, partner. That was uh-huh. uh, that was uh, Jared Allen with uh, WTVN in Columbus. So so here's, uh, of course, uh, where we start doing the speculating, which is, for the most part, uh, not wise to do, but I'm, I'm sure everyone out there is, is asking the questions, and the question for you that I'll ask, even having not known all the evidence, um, is, you know, should, did, I guess, did, did, did a lot of people have it right? Did, did Donald Trump have it right? Did a lot of people out there have been saying, look, you know, should we keep taking in refugees from countries that we don't know backgrounds, we don't know where they're from, we don't know largely what their parents were like, who their connections were? Is, is, that, is that something we should be should be asking right now? You know, and I know it's... It's hard to do that, and of course we've got to wait for a lot of the information, but I know people are asking it. I, I, you damn sure believe that the Ohio State parents are asking those questions, especially the parents of a victim. They're saying, wait a minute, how, how does a, a, a Somalia guy that seemingly no one knows anything about, right? I mean, no one's, you know, no one's came forth and, hey, I'm his roommate or I'm his this. or I was, how, how does this guy uh, find himself in this situation at a taxpayer-funded university 
where he can pull off this sort of thing. So that's question number one, 513-749-7000, pound 700 AT&T, 1-800, a big one. The other thing that I thought was uh, crudely interesting was the fact that, I mean, as soon as I saw the reports and I saw a car and I saw a knife, I thought instantly of, remember, what was this, last, I don't know, six, six eight months ago, remember Nice, France, remember the guy, uh, Mohammed, he killed, uh, took a truck, and there was a you know a gathering outside and you know, basically ran over eighty six people to their death, and a lot of people were saying you know for, for for the longest time it had been bombs it had been guns it had been this and that well seemingly we're seeing more of these attacks by truck by car and by knife and I, I guess I guess if you look at it you know knives are something that can be carried anywhere right no one's really setting off a red flag I mean every state in the United States. You can carry a knife in, you know, obviously, you know, states like California, you know, Minnesota, um, Illinois, are they're more restrictive gun states. So I would say knives completely fall right under the, the radar. Cars, of course, there's no restrictions and there's nothing, you know, that innately dangerous about a car except you know, the obvious, which is it's a you know, 2,500 pound uh, thing on wheels that could run you over. But, you know, certainly not as scary. It doesn't, doesn't raise as many eyebrows as guns do. And then, of course, you know, cars... Knives, if terror is the ultimate aim here, right, you want to go for gruesome, you want to go for horrific, you want to put people in real fear. The, the, the thought of someone wielding a machete and, and taking you down with that is, that, that's terror. And that's terror uh, personified right there. So interesting, it's also interesting that apparently, uh, what, late last week, uh, ISIS propaganda films put out, um, messages about this sort of thing, using cars, using knives, using machetes, things like that. So uh, you wonder what uh, the correlation will be. 513-749-7000, pound 700 at t 1-800, the big one. Let's take a break. We're going to come back with more, of course, your phone calls, 700-WLW. Welcome back to the show. It's 923 here on 700-WLW. Here after the 930 news Ed Bridgman, a terrorism expert from UC, is going to join us to talk about all the implications. Was this, and according to the Hoyle's Book of Rules, a call, can it be called terror or not? And if so, what can be done? Um, we've got an interesting phone call here, and I want to take it. Let's go to Dayton and talk to Dave. Now, Dave, you uh, you actually took in a Somalian family. How'd that work? Uh, yeah, uh, Rock, the... Um a Somalia family, refugee family in the Dayton area, that through the, the Catholic Social Services, they uh, they help bring in some of the exiled refugee families. And so we were part of a kind of, you know, in our church, our Catholic church, kind of, a, you know, adopted this family and, um, you know, helped them financially and, you know, whatever way they could. But they were, they were uh, a Somalian family, I think, with like seven kids, um, but they were... You know, they they fled. They're Catholic, and they were you know they fled because they were going to be murdered. And um, you know, they you know, they already had rel- other relatives that were murdered and beheaded. And mm-hmm. So um, so that's so they were able to you know flee and and be uh, a refugee family right. and, and kind of shelter, Dave, shelter me, here. So did did you actually take them into your home, or did you just use a church provide housing and money for that sort of thing? Um, we as the church provided that, but we, we also kind of took in like one of the, one of the boys, we, we, 
more or less kind of adopted and, mm-hmm. and took care of him and had him over at our ho- house a lot. I coached him in basketball and, you know, hey, we did. Hey, um, let me ask you this. How, how much, like, how much knowledge about this family's past did you have? Did you, I mean, how much, you know, did you know where they were from, like who their friends were, who they hung, that sort of thing? No, I mean, what no, was we, the depth of it? We just, we just knew they were from Somalia and, but they were, and they came uh, in fears of their life and that they were, you know, how many kids they had and, but they were, they were of Catholic faith. So that was part, you know, and that's what I, when I called in, you know, versus mm-hmm. a, uh, not, and again, not, not, not pitting Muslim faith versus against Catholic, but they were of Catholic faith right. with, which was part of the reason they had to flee for, you know, for being murdered. Well, of for course, that. yeah, because because Catholics but, and Christians are not looked, especially not looked at uh, kindly over there. Dave, would you do you think your church would have would have brought this family in had they been Islamic Somalians versus Catholic Somalians? No, no, no. I mean, it was it was a Catholic church, and I, and I, that was part of it. And but I mean, they were. I mean, they were great. The the the, the parents were great. We, you know, as far as I know, they're doing well right now. With you know, the dad's got a job and they're supporting themselves. And um, they, you know, they, they they're going through the their kids are going through the the high, a local uh, public high school here, and um, and I think you know so. Yeah, I think it was a success in that manner. But um, David, what should we do about the, like this instance? You know, like, like we had here today at Ohio State, Islamic man from Somalia. Uh, who, who knows exactly all the extenuating circumstances? But given the fact that the first and foremost priority should be protecting our country and protecting our families, what should we do? Should we well, do, what, do anything different about or this. same or what? What's bizarre is that you know this this guy got a you know he had a a new lease on life and the American dream and I mean Somalia from what I learned with this family is nothing more than a hellhole as far as to live yeah, in yeah and and this person somehow made it to America from uh, you know from a desolate place and here you know he he does a one eighty and you know somehow. And, and you know, there is nothing. There is no more diverse melting pot in the United States than Ohio State University campus. If you're up there, I mean, my son goes there. So my son's a student. He was in lockdown um, during all this that happened. He was, uh, you know, he was putting his uh, the, the hall that he was uh, taking a class at, and it was in lockdown. And um, but I mean, there is, it is, you know, I don't know how many countries are represented with student body. I think it's sixty some. I mean, it, it is an international melting pot. They have, you know, cricket right, fields, right. you know, to play cricket on, and all this stuff, you know. So yeah, the well, Hindus, which, which, make, which makes you wonder, Dave. You're right. Like, you, you know, why this guy have so many problems? You know, there are there's certainly I, more, much more restrictive yeah, universities out there, but a melting pot. Is, to your point. Um, Ohio State yeah. is everything for everybody, but I do want to finish. I know you're going against a break, but yeah. can you can you ask you know Joe Dieters if this was a you know a chicken crap stop you know by some fake campus security <laughs> cop or you know I do get tired you know I I love Willie but 
you know, he has a shtick, and, you know, he, he tries to be hard-hitting, but then he, you know, then he laughs and, you know, tells Dieters we're going to go golf tomorrow. And right. so, you know, you, you keep it real, and I, I get tired of Dieters. I really am sick, you know, not to go into the tensing stuff, but he... Yeah. He's so full of crap. Well, I, I, so, I appreciate your observation. You know, your observation is that you know, look, had this guy maybe not been suspicious, maybe this the situation could have got worse. Dave, we got to run, but appreciate the call. Thank you. Um, now, now here's an interesting observation. Is I'm thinking about this, Somalia, war torn country, awful, right? Escapes oppression, right? Escapes, you know, this guy, um, what's his name here, Abdul Artan. Um, left in 2007, lived in Pakistan for a minute, comes over to America, everything in front of him, probably getting lots of state-funded education, right? I mean, things couldn't be better. You go from the, the hellest of hellholes to a great country where things are, are, are so much better than the past you came from, and, and this is the, the repayment? This is what you do? You decide to turn radical because you're upset there may not be prayer rooms? Come on, man. Let's weigh, let's weigh what's really going on here. You escaped the worst of the worst and then come here to, to do this? This is the repayment we get? Come on, man. Shouldn't stand. Shouldn't be that way. All right, we're going to take a break because I'm way over, and we'll come back with uh, Ed Bridgman, terrorism expert, 700-WLW. Welcome back to the show. So the big debate going on right now after the... Ohio State attack is, well, was this terror? Was this just um, some quote-unquote lone wolf, which I don't believe in that term? Was this a, just a, a guy who went crazy and did a, uh, a horrible thing, or was there more to this? Is it related to terrorism as we understand it? A lot of media outlets are very reluctant to use that term. CNN, of, of course, um, as I see them in the studio here on the TV um, not uh, willing to use that term right now. Does it matter? Is this terrorism, and should that matter to any of us? I'll ask our next guest. His name is Ed Bridgman. He's a terrorism expert and associate pr- uh, professor of criminal justice at UC. Ed, how are you, buddy? I'm just fine, thank you. Very good. So let me ask you, was this incident uh, quote-unquote terror, uh, according to uh, the accepted definition of, of what that means? It sure smells like it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it, it does fit the pattern. It fits the uh, uh, the direction that uh, terrorism is going uh, with the uh, individual personalized attacks. And as a matter of fact, uh, in the last oh couple uh, weeks to a month, uh, both Al Shabaab and ISIS have encouraged exactly this. This type of attacks using yes. vehicles, uh, using knives, uh, because it's uh, uh, easier to get uh, these either a vehicle or a knife than it is to get a firearm. Right. Well, just to, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't there another incident in Columbus? Um, I, I don't know a while ago that maybe last year where you know a m- m- Muslim man comes in and starts hacking people up in, a, in an Ohio restaurant somewhere. You, you do see these. You also, of course, uh, said earlier. Uh, remember in Nice, France, a couple months ago, a guy, and there was no guns, there was no bombs, nothing that we're used to seeing. A guy took a huge, a huge damn truck and ran over a bunch of people. So, so what is it with these, these new instruments of of terror that that, that we're seeing? Is, it, is that they're they're more terrifying? I mean, I mean, in in the in the essence of it all, I, I think getting hacked with a machete is more terrifying than even being shot at or getting run over by a car. So is this part of ISIS's plan or what? 
Well, certainly it, it's a more personal uh, type of attack. Uh, you know, somebody standing in the door of a nightclub or a cafe and spraying the room with an AK-47 uh, is certainly terrible. But uh, coming, you know, face to face, looking in the eyes of somebody who is hacking at you, uh, or looking at a, uh, a vehicle, uh, as in Marseille, coming at you with a uh, uh, a lot of speed and intention is certainly uh, terrifying. And remember, the purpose of terrorism is to terrify. Right. That's exactly uh, what they intend to do, uh, and we shouldn't be a bit surprised when uh, when we are terrorized by what they do. Absolutely. Now, the, the perpetrator here, uh, either he's... Some reports say he's 18, some say he's 20. Uh, Abdul Artan, Somalian descent, um, he, he's now deceased. And as I said earlier, the only unfortunate part about that is he cannot be questioned to his motives and who his friends were, who he's hanging out with. So, Ed, in your experience, to describe the process that is most likely going on right now by the authorities. I assume looking into his family, looking at phone records, looking into his roommate, looking into how he got the house he was living in. What's the process here? Well, I'm sure the, one of the primary things they're going to be doing is mining his social media. Uh, that, that seems to be the uh, primary vehicle that uh, these uh, self-radicalized individuals uh, uh, express their uh, beliefs, their uh, intentions. And um, that I would I would say is for the first thing they're going to be looking at. Certainly going after uh, talking to acquaintances, uh, but understand that that many of these uh, uh, individuals uh, purposely put on a very placid, uh, very compliant, uh, non-radicalized front uh, to uh, uh, just. Yeah. Lull everybody around them into a uh, a sense of uh, of calm about who they are. Right, right. Well, and to your point, it was the same thing with the San Bernardino killers. I mean, their coworkers, for for God's sake, were, were having baby showers for them. I mean, it's like they they were a part of the community. And then, what causes that, Ed? Is it is it? I mean, are they that deceitful? Or they know all along in months, years in advance that at some point. They're going to do this, and they're just really, really good. Or, or does it just? Or do they start off with good intentions and then become radicalized? Um, maybe because they feel discriminated against. Wh- which way is it, Ed? Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, it's it's a lot of all of the above. Uh, not everyone arrives at their uh, philosophical uh, foundation in the same way. And in, in, in this same way, not everyone is radicalized in the same way. Some it's gradual, some it's uh, familial, uh, that they, they <laughs> literally get it with their mother's milk. Uh, some of them uh, are like many of the uh, Somalis we've seen uh, that have been radicalized in this country uh, are second generation, where their parents... Uh, saw the uh, depredations of uh, the problems in their home country, 
came here to get their children away from that. Yeah. And then here in the midst of uh, all of the affluence and the availability of education and opportunity, they turn backwards into the radicalization, the exact radicalization that drove, in many cases, their parents out of their home country. Yeah, and to me, that's my number one thing I cannot and will never understand, and I'm sure all the people listening to this program can understand. I mean, these people left Somalia. I mean, a third-world dictatorship hellhole, right? I'm talking cesspool, just awful place, right? So you escape that and you come to America where all you got to do is have a pulse and you get some, you get free education, you get free health care, you get everything ever you could ever imagine, plus all the freedoms to make something of yourself. And, and this is the damn repayment we get? Why is that? What's the psychology here? Well, it's a, we asked that same question uh, back in the uh, 60s and early 70s when we saw the uh, the children of uh, very uh, well-to-do, uh, very well-established conservative individuals turn to uh, student activism and then into uh, groups like the Weather Underground. Uh, it, it's that exact same progression that is almost an embarrassment uh, of, against the, uh, uh, the the good things that they have an embarrassment that their parents uh, cared so much about them, and they uh, they turn against that uh, in rebellion. Yeah. So, so what do we do then, Ed? Do we? I mean, do we do what a lot of people are are calling for, and that is not let these people in from these war war torn countries? I mean, look. I, I mean, we we'd love to be open our arms up and, and assume that everyone is great and everyone's wonderful and everyone's going to make a positive change and take the right road. But it seems like Ed more and more we're seeing these people take the wrong road eventually. So what do we do? Do we just err on the side of, look, we'd like to be inclusive here, but at the same time, I don't want my, my son or my daughter going off to college and getting hacked to bits by a machete. What do we do, Ed? Well, uh, we look back historically that, that many of our ancestors, I know my uh, great-grandfather uh, on, on both sides, uh, came to this country, uh, one from Germany, one from uh, Scotland, uh, because they wanted something better. They weren't necessarily fleeing something. They were going toward something better. Mm, mm-hmm. And when they got here, they became Americans. They assimilated. Yes, now, they yes. Didn't their culture. They didn't, but what we're seeing now is individuals who are, are Fleeing uh, some uh, depredation in their in their home country, uh, and they're coming here, and they have no desire to become a part of America. They ghettoize themselves. Uh, they retain their language. They retain their dress uh, and their culture, uh, and uh, their uh, some of their the primitiveness of of what they left behind. And and they don't uh, move toward uh, the same kind of assimilation that our immigrant uh, parents, grandparents, great grandparents did. 
Uh, Ed, you're 100% right. That, that is the big difference, and, and I can't stand the argument when everyone says, oh, America's the melting pot and we're a nation of immigrants. Of course we're a nation of immigrants, but when my ancestors and your ancestors came over uh, from Ellis Island, there was an expectation. First of all, there was an expectation that you were going to make it on your own. There was no welfare system. There was no handouts. So you either going to sink or swim, and if you sunk, then you know what? Too bad. That's your own damn problem. But the other... You know, the thing that was expected of you was that you were going to wave the American flag and you were going to speak English and you were going to adapt some of your culture. I mean, what kind of crazy institution, what kind of crazy country just gives, gives, gives and doesn't demand anything in return? We let these people come over here and and I'm all for immigration. I I am. We we, we need that. That's how this country works. But there's got to be some expectation level for whoever comes over here that, damn it, you got to hold up your end of the bargain if you want all these great things that this country is going to provide for you? Well, I think when, when we ask, uh, when, when people ask us, uh, can we come into your country, we have not just the right, but the responsibility to ask them uh, what, what they expect and what they are bringing into the country, what they're bringing in in the way of talents. In, in other words, what do you bring into the table, right? I mean, I mean, let's have a, use a football example here. Do the Cincinnati Bengals take just any old player that happens to be down on their luck, and boy, they'd sure love a job? Or do you say, hey, we'd love to have you, but what kind of talents do you have that are going to make us better? Uh, only an insane country doesn't ask that, Ed, and we don't, we don't do it. I don't, I don't understand it. Uh, we have come to the point of saying, you know, a person is a refugee and they have the right to come here uh, from anywhere. And uh, um, we, have, we have the right to say who is a refugee and what is the definition of a refugee. Uh, I, I have sometimes, I've asked myself many, many times, uh, all of these, uh, the people who are, are fleeing the problems in Syria, uh, if, if they're so bad, you know, why don't you why don't you stick around and fight for them? Yeah, no, uh, no, Ed, you you make way too much sense for for this country that we're living in. <laughs> you absolutely do, and we, we got to run. But I appreciate your time. This has been fantastic. Thanks for coming on the Rocky Boyman Show. Sure, let me just say one more. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Heard, yeah, shoot, good. Three, three, three people different say tonight that uh, uh, this guy was not on anybody's radar, and we should be aware of the fact that he wasn't on the radar because the current administration turned the radar off. Oh, yeah. Well, th- thank God we got Donald Trump, right? That's a loaded question. I, I don't expect you to answer that one on there. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. I'll say it. Thank God we got Donald Trump in office. I, I, I can't imagine this sort of thing happening. Again, I'll, I'll give you the example that I just gave it. N- name whatever job you work at. Okay, There's a lot of people that are unemployed, people that are down on their luck, and would love a job, would love employment. But does your employer just open the doors to anybody and say, yeah, come on in, man, we'll pay you a salary and we'll, we'll give you health benefits and you can work in this nice warm office here and, 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 and everything will be fantastic? Or do you say, hey, we'll give you all these benefits and we'll pay you handsomely, but in turn, you got to do something for us, right? And which means, first of all, you're going to join our team. Okay, you don't see me wearing a, a B105 shirt when I come into work here at 700 WLW because that's not that's not how it works. You're expected to kind of root for your own team, and you're expected to produce. You're expected per, to produce some something, okay, of value. 
And that should be more, that should be valued. When we're looking at immigrants, there's a lot of people that want to get in the country. What is wrong with looking toward the best and the brightest? Yes, I want people with different thoughts and different perspectives and different stories and different uh, ways of life that can come in and enrich our country. But if you're going to come in here and you're not going to assimilate and you're, and you're not going to give anything for all that you're taking, what is the use? And I know from a strictly you know, Christian thing, we should help. I understand all that. But we don't, we, we don't have the resources. We physically don't have the resources to just give everything to everybody, A. And B, at the same time, a lot of these people are killing us. What, what sense does this make? Let's take a break. 700 WLW. Tell you what, man, what a country we live in. You know, leave your hellhole of a country. Come on in. We'll bring you everything. We'll put you up, put you in a you know, public university funded by the taxpayers here at Ohio State. You know, and, and hell, we'll, we'll probably play, pay for his, for his funeral, too. Well, I mean, what, what, kind of, what, uh, what, kind of, what kind of country is this, man? That, that, that's the thanks we get. Thanks for, thanks for coming in and opening your doors up to all the things that are great here. And instead, I'm going to, I don't know, become radical. Who knows the situation? But it, it certainly doesn't uh, deter from the fact that, that this guy had every opportunity in front of him here in America, and instead he decides to drive his Honda Civic over top of a bunch of people, jump out, and start hacking away with a machete. Thanks very much. All right, we're going to switch gears here after the 10 o'clock news. Uh, we're going to bring on Mac Mariani. We're going to discuss this whole recount that is going on. Uh, Jill Stein, the Green Lady, uh, the, the Green Party uh, woman, she has uh, started a recount in Wisconsin, possibly um, Pennsylvania, and possibly Michigan as well. Is this going to amount to anything? Is this her real plan? What is the end game here? We're going to talk about all this and much, much more. I have my thoughts on this, Wes Mac, and I'll give you mine. Stay right here, 700 WLW. Looking for a newer used vehicle? Browse online at tradeandpaper.com, Cincinnati's free online classifieds. Search inventories from local automobile dealers, list your own vehicles and unwanted items for free, and turn them into cash. Go to tradeandpaper.com. I have to admit, you know, when we were both asked the question, I assume he would say what everybody has always said, which is, hey, of course, you know, because to say you won't respect the results of the election, that is a direct threat to our democracy. Direct threat. The peaceful transfer of peaceful power is of one power. of the things that makes America, America. It is not a joke, and look, some people are sore losers, and, you know, we just, we just got to keep going. All right, Th- thank God that's over. Go ahead and kill the music. I, I could, literally couldn't listen to one more syllable of that. So, of course, um, what's good for the goose is apparently not good for the gander. Jill Stein has opened up a recount of the election, and now Hillary Clinton and her cohorts have also joined the, the process here and is directly... Um, gone against her word that she said a couple of months ago about the peaceful transition of power, yada, yada. You heard the sound bite. I don't have to give it to you. So as we speak, uh, there are recounts going on. Now, let me give you some of the, uh, the, the details here before we bring in our guests. Recounts, I'm reading from um, an article here uh, from 538. Uh, recounts typically don't swing enough votes to change the winner. Out of four 
5,687 statewide general elections between 2000 and 2015, just 27 were followed up by recounts according to data compiled by Fair Vote, a nonpartisan group that researches such things. Just three of those 27 recounts resulted in a change in the outcome, all leading to wins for Democrats. So on one hand, you say, okay, it's a very, very small chance. But on the other hand, you say, well, Preston has showed that it has happened, right? So what does that mean? Well, recounts typically don't change the margin of an election by an amount that would be large enough to step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. To affect the result of this year's presidential election. The mean swing. This is important. The mean swing between the top two candidates in the 27 recounts that I just talked about was 287 votes. Okay. 287 votes with a meeting of 219. The the biggest swing came in Florida's 2000 presidential election recount when Al Gore cut uh, 1,247 votes off of George Bush's lead. Now, right now, as it stands, the amount of votes that Trump is ahead in the three states that Jill Stein, uh, the green lady, is um, questioning is um, what? Yeah, here it is. Uh, Michigan, 10,700 votes. Pennsylvania, 70,600 votes. And Wisconsin, where she has opened up a recount, 22,177 votes uh, more that Trump has over Clinton or essentially anybody else. Join us right now to discuss this. Is this a bunch of bullcrap or does this possibly have a chance? Are you saying there's a chance? Is Mac Mariani, political science professor at XU. Mac, how are you? I'm doing great. That's a great Dumb and Dumber reference. Yes, right? thank you. I try to slip a Dumb and Dumber reference in whenever I can. I think everyone should uh, to, to that point. So, so let's let's get down to it, Mac. Some people are saying that this is all a thing to elevate Jill Stein, who no one knows who the hell this woman is, elevate her platform, elevate, elevate the Green Party's platform. It has absolutely no chance of possibly ousting Trump from the presidency, some are saying, look, there actually is a chance. She's got a bunch of money. She's, of course, going to have everyone on her side, the vile media, all the, I'm sure, the, the George Soros people, all the, the big government uh, Democratic backers are behind this. So how's this thing look to you? Well, you know, I think Republicans would be wise not to take uh, take this challenge lightly. Uh, you know, the general counsel for the Clinton campaign, and the Clinton campaign is kind of playing a kind of a triangulation game. On the one hand, they're saying, well, we don't have any evidence of this, but we support the, the effort to count every vote. And uh, But their general counsel is Mark Elias. I mean, he's a foremost ele- expert in election law and recounts in the country. You know, he spearheaded the 2008 election recount in the Minnesota Senate race that uh, took a race that was 726 uh, vote lead for uh, Republican Norm Coleman on election night and, and turn that into a 312 vote win for Franken. Now it's about a thousand, uh, a thousand um, vote swing. Um, and, you know, obviously this is a much larger um, number of votes. So, I mean, it, it's not going to be easy, but I think Republicans would be, would be wise to kind of pay attention. You know, one of the things they want to be wary of is if you're only counting the undervotes 
in Democratic counties, well, that's going to have an impact. If you're not counting them in Republican counties, you're only you're only catching the mistakes in, in Democrat counties and not catching them in Republican counties. Uh, Republicans in the past have been flat-footed, unprepared, and outmatched when it comes to these sorts of uh, challenges. And um, I think that the one state where they're probably best prepared is Wisconsin, because they've seen this sort of thing uh, recently. In 2011, they had a recount there. Um, it's, a, it's a very... It's a very narrow uh, sort of long shot for for Democrats to. I think this is more really about the frustration that they, that they're experiencing right now, and anything that the, that uh, Jill Stein can do to kind of distract people from the from the fact that she cost uh, she cost Hillary Clinton at least two of those states, uh, Michigan and Wisconsin. Um, well, and, is probably, and to your point, that, that, that's what's amazing here is Clinton is is sleeping with the enemy here. She's like kind of in cahoots with Jill Stein when really she should be mad as all get out at Jill Stein because if it wasn't for Stein, Hillary might have had a better chance of winning. I would say, uh, you know, people that were going to vote, that, that voted for Jill Stein, had she not been there, wouldn't have switched to Donald Trump. They would have been more likely to switch to Hillary Clinton. So what's her motive here? Does this make her look desperate and stupid, for lack of a better term? Well, she raised six point four million dollars, which is considerably more than she raised. I mean, I mean Hillary Clinton. I mean Hillary Clinton. Does oh, make her look stupid? You know, <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 you're talking, I was talking about Jill Stein, yeah. um, but you know, her I don't too. know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that certainly, if it, 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 there's a little bit of egg on her face in the sense that she was, she's been, she was out there fairly strongly, um, you know, with this sort of yeah, outrage about about Donald Trump's comments. And I, I think, you know, one of the things that, that people have to understand is, um, you know, this is hardball. Like, this is, the, you know, they're not, the Democrats, if they have a chance to, to, to throw a monkey wrench into the Trump victory, if they, even in just in, in Michigan, let's say they lose Wisconsin, they lose Pennsylvania, but they're able to overturn the result in Michigan, which is only about 10,000 votes and it's probably the narrowest state uh, where they have a chance to do it. Now, that would significantly undermine uh, the Trump narrative. And it would certainly call into question for a lot of voters, right. uh, well, what happened in Pennsylvania? What happened in Wisconsin? Um, and even just the process of counting these ballots, and you know this from 2000, it's a mess. When you start go looking at these ballots and you realize, you know, geez, is this a vote? What about this person circled it and they were supposed to fill in a bubble? And this person, yeah. you know, tore their ballot. Is this to be counted? And all of those sorts of decisions, which, which are, you know, the, the recount process is based on precedent. It's based on law. It's just a very messy process to look at, and the integrity of the process, I think, is called into question once you once you start to do that. I don't think that that's necessarily a problem in the sense that I think that our our, our system is, you know, kept recounting the votes is something we can do, and in this case, I don't think it's going to really change the change the election results. Um, but I think it it does when you start to open that process up and you start to have the each party challenging voters and trying to trying to dismiss legitimate votes. Uh, that's just a messy, ugly process. We, we went through it in 2000. It wasn't helpful. Um, it did, you know, and ultimately what it did was it made people more distrustful and really, really more polarized than ever. And I think we already have plenty of that. Well, well to your point, we, we kind of, in a way, went through it here in Hamilton County a few years ago with John Williams and Tracy Hunter. It became, well, these people didn't vote in the right precinct, but should their votes count? You're right. It's a very, very messy situation here. But but I think you're right. To me, I think the ultimate plan here is to delegitimize Donald Trump. If they can at least put some segment of doubt, like, okay, maybe you just show 
there was a few votes that were in question. And even though it still gives him the, the, the correct amount of electoral votes where he's still president, they'll have a case, right? The Democrats and everybody against Donald Trump, which is the, the rest of the world besides the six, 61 million people that voted, is that, look, this guy didn't win the popular vote. There's now there's, there's states where that were largely Democratic in the past that he may or may not have actually won. So they create this whole narrative of, well, the country didn't even vote for this guy anyway. What's the use of listening to him? Is that essentially right. well, the plan here? You know, I'd, I'd say there's two things. One is I think we have to also point out that Trump himself is raising questions about, about the elections, which I think is probably not in his best interest at this particular point in time. So he's often his own worst enemy. But I think the real danger for the Trump, for the Trump um, presidency um, is you got to remember in Florida in 2000, they started the recount automatically, almost immediately. And in this case, we're three weeks out from the election. In just three weeks, by December 13th, states have to make final decisions on controversies over appointment. So in just about two weeks, not a month, but two weeks, uh, these states have to count all their ballots again. Uh, now, you, we're looking at, at votes still coming in from California. California is still counting votes, and we're three, four weeks out. How uh, can we expect these states to do this amount of work, this amount of hand counting, especially if, it's, if, if the judges decide that it has to be done by hand? Uh, if it's done by machine, that's one thing. If it's done by hand, it'd be, it'll be very difficult to finish by December 13th, in which case then you have a controversy because it'll be up to the legislatures in those states to simply appoint electors. Uh, which would certainly be, it would, you know, there'd be a lot of claims that, listen, you're going over the heads of voters. We need to count every vote. Um, so there's an enti- there is right. a small possibility that they're not done, bo- they're not done counting by December 13th, which would result in, um, chaos, I think, and, and certainly a lot of controversy because those state legislatures, all of which are controlled by Republicans, by the way, um, would have to act unilaterally to appoint electors, which would be very unusual. It's been done before about five or six times. Um, in, in the country's history, but it is very unusual, and it would certainly seem like the legislature was somehow stealing the electors from the people, um, and that's certainly how it would, be, it would be portrayed. So I think that's the real danger for the uh, for the Trump presidency is to go in under a cloud where three legislatures or two legislatures had to appoint um, electors um, because the counts weren't done. Um, it's entirely possible. It almost happened in Florida in 2000, and I think given the tight deadline, it, it, it might be it might be possible in some place like uh, Pennsylvania. If it ends up, if there ends up being a count there. So what you're saying, and, and I read up on this, is that um, if if there is an electoral vote or electoral college question, does it then go to the House of Representatives to appoint a president, which the Republican House will appoint Trump, and a Senate will, will approve a the vice president, which they will approve Pence. But still, the, the, the question remains here. Now the whole the whole narrative goes on, right? Well, the people didn't even pick this guy, right? Right, sure. That, that, that's possible. Although I think in this case, again, all the, in this case, both of the legislatures, uh, all three legislatures okay. rather, are controlled by Republicans, both houses. Um, so it would be likely that I think in the case where there wasn't, you know, there was there wasn't a, a, the votes weren't finished for whatever reason, uh, the legislatures could act on their own. The Constitution gives them the ability to appoint electors, uh, and I think uh, uh, you know maybe in Pennsylvania that'd be more difficult if they had to pass a law to do it. It would go to potentially to the to the um, uh, the Democratic governor would probably veto it. But in Wisconsin and 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 um, Michigan, those are Republican governors, Republican legislatures. Uh, but again, I, so I think you're going to get it. I think you're going to get Trump to 270. Uh, or beyond, it's just 
you know, how much controversy do we want to have between now and then? You know, ordinarily when there's a, uh, um, you know, the the Democrats, I think, are in a state of denial here. Usually anger comes comes after denial. But in this case, we had the anger first and now the denial. Uh, It's like the stages of grief. We'll get to bargaining before the end of this, I think. Uh, Yeah, yeah, right. Over my dead body, Mac, will they get to bargaining? Hey, let's give this guy a chance and let's be above all this. Over my dead body, will that happen? Mac, we got to run, but I want to quickly also ask you on another note. uh, Your son, I believe you told me, was on the campus. He's He's a student at Ohio State, just if you don't mind, take me through your thoughts as a parent when you heard about the events that happened here about 10 a.m. this morning. Well, you know, thankfully, my you know my son texted me uh, before I even learned the, about the about the event, and so the first I heard of it was when he texted me to tell me he was okay and he's in his room. And uh, luckily, like all like all uh, Mariani's, we we like to have our classes late in the day. So he was uh, he was still in bed when this happened, <laughs> thankfully. Uh, but it's you know it's terrifying to think about, and you know you you, you start to think, oh, are my kids ever going to be safe? But you know we don't know if people are going to be safe in a mall. We don't know if we're going to be safe at the Kroger. We yeah. don't know if we're going to be safe at the you know at a college campus. You can't live your life, or you know you certainly can't worry about your kids every step of the way. Uh, but we know there's eleven you know eleven people out there who eleven families out there who are OSU. Uh, uh, families who are who are worried about their kids, and we're praying for them, and we're hoping that uh, um, you know we're just hoping that the campus is able to heal, and every and and we're grateful that the police, uh, the OSU police, were there. I mean, it is uh, it is good to know that the the, the response for the police was so quick. Yes, um, and people seem to have handled that situation extraordinarily well. Mac, you're absolutely right, man. Look, we we appreciate your time as always. Always a great guest. Appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Okay. Thanks, Rock. Thanks very much. Uh, Mac Mariani, political science professor at Xavier. Here's a question that I want to ask you, the listener, because I never got to do this because, you know, last week's been crazy because, you know, football and this and that. But so this is one man's opinion about about what went down with, you know, here's what I think happened on election night. So if you remember, um, it looked like Trump was going to win. And Trump, the AP and everybody, Google, everybody had, had said that Trump was the winner. And Hillary Clinton did not come out. And can- it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Seed the election. Instead, that, that slime ball, uh, John Podesta, came out. And I'll never forget sitting in bed watching this, and he goes, oh, we're going to recount every vote, and we're going to make sure this and that. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, they're going to steal this election in the middle of the night. Well, my, my prayers at the time were answered when Hillary Clinton actually did come out and concede the election like an hour later or something. So I, I thought at the time, I, I, I thought, here's, here's what I thought, that Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump talked, and there was a deal worked out, a deal deal where Trump said, you know what, you're going to concede this election. You're, you're not going to put me and the country and everybody through this recount nonsense, okay? The election has happened, and the, uh, the results are overwhelmingly, from an electoral college standpoint, from a, a, a county standpoint, in my favor. You're not going to do this. You're going to concede this election, and in return, I will not seek to prosecute you or your stupid foundation. And she said, okay, fine. And then Trump, of course, came out and said, you know what? 
Hillary Clinton are not going to, you know, I'm not going to, of course, it's not his decision, right? But but I'm not going to push for her to be prosecuted, which I don't know. I, I kind of fell on both sides of because one part of me says this woman did uh, things that were above the law. And if you set the precedent that doing things are above the law are okay and you don't, there's no repercussions, that's not a good precedent to set. What about the other tens and hundreds and thousands of people that break the law and get the book thrown at them? Should we make special cases for one person and not for others? But then on the other hand, I said, man, does this nation not, does this nation not need this right now to go through? Uh, the first thing you do as a president is to be overshadowed and overweighed by the burden of this prosecution and Hillary Clinton, and it's going to make everyone even more divisive and angry. So I said, if you recall, on this radio station, I was fine with Trump not prosecuting Hillary Clinton. But now my tune has changed. I'm saying right now, if she is behind this, um, her and her team, which reports are, you know, according to her and everybody, that she is behind Jill Stein and, hey, let's look into this thing and let's recount and let's make every vote count and make sure there's no nonsense going on. If she was behind this, I say Trump goes after. I say, you know what, throw the book at her because you, you can't have this kind of nonsense. You, you, that, that, that's not right. To if, if a deal was made out and if you agree that we're going to move past this and we're going to start healing the country, go back and, and try to dig up all this nonsense that's ultimately not going to amount to anything. Should Trump not go ahead and go right after? That's the question for you. 513-749-7000, pound 700 AT&T, 1-800, the big one. Should Trump seek to prosecute Hillary Clinton, now especially that uh, after the, in light of the recent events where she's now behind a recount, or should he still stick to his guns and stick to what he said, which is, I am going to let bygones be got bygones, we're going to move forward, and we're not going to prosecute her. What say you? Stay right here, 700 WLW. All right, we got a quick one here, but um, I'm already liking what I'm seeing out of the calls we're going to get on this topic. Should we... Should Trump go after Clinton or should he partner? Should he let bygones be bygones? We've got Margo, we got Mark, we got Steve, we got Dan, and we have you right after Charles Van Zant has the news. Stay right here, 700 WLW. Ten thirty-five. welcome back to the show. I, I love how all the media, especially CN- CNN, oh, my microphone fell off. Um, how CNN saying, oh, this, you know, Trump making a big deal of this and him commenting on that there was actually voter fraud and illegal a- immigrants and illegal aliens were voting, which everyone knows. Um, that's conduct unbecoming of a president. This is the same media that ignores uh, Barack Obama, who goes on, you know, like, like Saturday Night Live and Jimmy, Phil- uh, Jimmy Fallon and has... Uh, you know, street rats like Al Sharpton into the White House 7,000 times a year. All these – now, are, is that not conduct unbecoming of a president? I mean, let, let's let's call it what it is. I'll agree that Trump should shut up and someone, hopefully Kellyanne Conway, can delete his Twitter account or, or at least, you know, kind of keep his phone in, in, in her pocket and keep it away from him. I'll agree with that. But but does, does Barack Obama get a free pass? When he does things that, in my opinion, are conduct unbecoming of a president, you know, giving out awards and fake awards to to actors and actresses and and calling that a good day's work, that's conduct unbecoming as well. So let's get back to the topic here. The question I asked you, the American people, was this. Should Trump go after Hillary Clinton, especially in light of the fact that she has joined Jill Stein in this whole recount business that is probably actually not going to work. Now, I, I meant to uh, read you this. 
this is um, news from the Washington Examiner coming fresh out of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania State Department says Stein has missed the recount deadline. Jill Stein has everything she needs to launch a presidential account. She's got the cash. She's got the grassroots fervor, spotlight, blah, blah, blah. But there's one thing she needs to overturn Trump's victory, and that is, haha, a calendar. Stein missed Pennsylvania's deadline to file for voter-initiated recount. Uh, That blown uh, deadline is obviously uh, tough for the Democrats who are hoping to get a recount in Michigan. Um, And according to Wanda Murren, spokeswoman for the Pennsylvania Department of State, uh, the deadline for a voter-initiated recount was Monday, November 21st. Uh, Stein has, of course, mounted a legal challenge in an attempt to force a recount anyway. While the chances of litigation are uncertain, the vote tally is clear. Trump beat Clinton in Pennsylvania, a feat not accomplished by a Republican since uh, Ronald Reagan in 1984. So looks like Jill Stein missed the opportunity. Now, of course, you know my, my thought on this whole deal is it was, it was never going to get overturned. But the whole process, the whole reason for this is to add an element of illegitimacy to Trump's presidency. Right. You can say, well, she didn't, you know, he missed. She didn't get the or he didn't get the uh, popular vote. Um, Clinton got two million more popular votes than him. I mean, God, we were seeing in this state there was voter fraud and that state there was voter fraud. Who knows how many other states there could have been voter fraud and basically make this guy's um, election and make this guy's nomination a total joke. And that that's the process that's going to feed this whole thing. And of course, with a compliant media. That's the narrative that is could possibly be forced upon us. Nevertheless, back to the original question. To indict Hillary Clinton or to not indict, that is the question for you. Let's go to uh, College Hill and talk to Margo. Margo, what do you think? Um, hi, Rocky. I, when you're not talking about sports, you're my favorite host. <laughs> Thank you. I find sports boring, actually, Margo. I have much rather talk about this. Thank you for that. Okay. I also agree with you on your thoughts about uh, they made a deal. Yeah. Uh, Hillary and um, Trump. But, you know, he's telling you the truth that he's not going to go after her. Um, It's not his role. It's not his position. The House is going to do that. All he can do is pardon her. Right. But but I I guess what I'm saying, of course, he he has no actual decision. But, of course, everyone's going to focus on his thoughts on this and is is he gonna should he go forward and say what say when the justice department is deciding to prosecute her get up in front of the media which is all anyone cares about anyway get up in front of them and say oh i wish they weren't doing this i wish we this country could just heal we're in such strife or should he goes you know what this is the same woman that said that if you don't concede the election this is not how the american process is so you know what go ahead and do it Go ahead. Maybe this that this woman needs to be taught a lesson. So, in light of that, what do you think he should do? I personally think he should keep doing what he's doing because, as far as I can tell and see, and as smart as you know my intellect is or not, I think he's done everything right. He has hit everything on the nail, the head on the nail. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he should continue. So, so in other words, Margo, you're saying pretending look, he, that he's not going to do anything. 
Right. He, so, he can't. Right. So in other words, you're saying, look, he ever since he got elected, he's been doing a lot of the right things. He's bringing in this whole team of rivals, lots of you know businessmen and lots of non-politicians. I, I think personally his cabinet is shaping up tremendously. He's focusing on the right things, focusing you, on the th- things America cares about. So what do you think continue to do, do that. So continue to do that, you're saying, rather than get in the muck and down in the filth of this whole uh, prosecution of Clinton and or her foundation. That's what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I would like to know why. what you think he should do with Mitt. I personally think if he has Mitt in his cabinet at all, he should be like treasurer, not the s- state secretary. Uh, Margo, I, I tend to think the way you – to me, the secretary of state is a very important position. It's kind of, the, the you know, in, in a way, the, the, the right-hand man, so to speak, of of the president. And that's a pretty – Lofty position for Romney, who, I mean, obviously his his loyalty to Trump was, was non-existent. In fact, it was opposite. This guy was bending over backwards to do everything in his power to not get this guy elected. So I agree. I, I'm all for this team of rivals concept, I, and, I, and I think that that's good. I mean, Trump, from everything I've read about him in his business dealings, he likes – conflict you know barack obama wanted a bunch of yes men yeah yes mr president whatever you think donald trump wants people to challenge him and that's how any good organization works but but yeah do do you wonder if romney a guy who's been you know i know he's been a businessman but he's been in politics for a little while is there going to be strife and and more importantly margo does that well how does that look to the other members of trump's team are they going to say what the hell is this guy doing in one of the most powerful positions when he's trying to undermine us the whole time Right? I can I can understand them thinking it that way and feeling that way, but you know Trump's the guy. If he wants Mitt, it's yeah. going to happen. No, I mean, look, I, our ultimately Margo and Margo, we got to run. But thanks for the call. Appreciate you okay. listening. Uh, I I won't like it. Of course, I won't like it. I would much rather have Giuliani or someone like that at the Secretary of State position, but. I got to tell you, and this is maybe you call this my my blind, um, uh, you know, just a faith in Donald Trump. I have faith in whoever he chooses that's going to be the right person. And maybe I don't know the reasons why. None of us will know the reasons why. But I'm going to have faith in this guy who has done amazing things in his life in terms of building and cooperation with people and knowing how to get things done, whether it's. You know, someone that you know a lot of people agree with or not. I have faith that he's going to put the right person in and make the right decision, whoever that may be. Is my first choice Romney? Absolutely not. But I want to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. So let's take a, another call on this. Let's go to um, Milford and talk to Mark. Mark, now you say he should prosecute her because this makes him look like the the strong alpha dog that we all elected. Exactly, and uh, since the. Uh since the House is going after her, aren't there like four uh, House members that are investigating her anyway? I heard that somewhere. Yeah, I believe that. I'm sure the Justice Department members of, of Congress, yes, you know, for whatever yeah. or their own particular reasons, and I'm sure some of them are, are obviously very warranted, are, are yes, are going to try to follow through as best they can to try to shut this woman down. Yes. Yeah, that's great. I mean, and he can just put his seal of approval on it and, and then move on to other things. Mark, let me ask you this, though, and again, just to play devil's advocate here, is, is it why, well, yes, she deserves this and no one should be above the law? People that have done far less than her are, are sitting in prison right now and have had their lives taken away. But, but in, in light of all this, should he not add more strife to a country that is already 
so divided where everything he tries to do, if he if this goes forward, and he's a proponent of this, you know, as well as I do, Mark, that's all the media is going to focus on. So while he's trying to you know build the wall and try to crack down on illegal immigration and try to make better trade deals with Cuba and China and do all these wonderful things that, that we want him to do. Is that not going to overshadow all that and cause even more strife? It could, but I think in the long run, it makes it, as a as a voter for him, it makes me feel like it weakens him because he did say, you know, he did say he was going to go after her. Yeah, so uh, I, I, that, I see what in, you're saying in that it, debate. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a very valid point because you're saying, look, here's this would be something that um, here's this man is that he said he was going to do this, that, and the other, and here right out of the gate, one of the main things he said he was going to do that a lot of people are in favor of, he's all of a sudden. Not going to do. And so what's next? What next promise is he going to renege on? It's a fair fair argument. That's how I feel, too. Yeah, Mark, Mark, thanks for the call. I I, I personally, I I see both sizes, and and I probably flop daily on on how I think about this. But I, I just think ultimately we put Donald Trump in as president to get things done because he has the power, unlike any other politician or I should say non-politician, in in recent memory, to actually get things done because he's not going to be handcuffed by lobbyists. He's not going to be handcuffed by uh, partisan goings-on, okay? He's not going to owe this person that. He's not going to owe, uh, you know, well, i, I got to vote this way or act this way because George Soros or all these other big-time, big, deep-pocket money people want me to vote this way. He's a man amongst himself to do what is best for the country. Right. So he can get down to brass tacks and do the things that the American people have been screaming about for decades, which is let's get some better. Let's lower this tax system here. OK, let's like a, for like a substantial lowering of, of the tax bracket to get this economy rejuvenated. Let's let's crack down on illegal immigration, especially sanctuary cities, get especially the illegal alien criminals out of this country, which 33 percent of our prisons are are uh, stuck with, for lack of a better term. Let's um, let's get better trade deals going. Let's you know, all, all the all the things that Trump said he was going to do. I, I just wonder if. Is he not going to be allowed to do that? Is the media going to focus on, oh, my God, here's this woman, and she had this great foundation, and all the lies they're going to tell you, and he's going to go after her, and they're going to focus on that instead of getting down to the business of the country. I want him to, you know, and in a sense, what's the use of shooting the dead bodies as they're laying there on the field of battle? Let's move on to the next thing here. Let's not worry about the past. Let's move on to the future here, and that is, getting things done for the country. Let's take a break. We're going to come back with more. 700 WLW. Should Trump be behind the going after of Hillary Clinton, shutting down her and her foundation, or should he stay out of it and get on to the business of running the country? That's the question. Dan from White Oak has the answer. Dan, you're on the big one, buddy. What do you got? Brock, I've been a Trump supporter from day one. And I can tell you, he needs to stay out of it. He needs to just let the Department of Justice and the FBI do their job. If they've got enough prosecutor, then go at it and get her. But if they don't, then I'm okay with that. But if he pardons her, I can't back him anymore. Because he says she's not above the law. A pardon, he's saying she's above the law. So, in other words, you're saying he should take a more uh, diplomatic approach, which, of course, is not Trump's strong suit. He should kind of go through the motions, not actively say, hey, look, go after her, throw the book at her, lock her up. But he should also not pardon her, is what you're saying. 
Absolutely. No, yeah, I mean, look, it's a, it's a, it's a, it, it's a very good point you make because, uh, again, the, the, the show. I mean, this is the same kind of stuff Obama did, right? Was pardon people that should not be pardoned whatsoever right, I mean, by he, any means necessary. Yeah, he pardons her. He's no different than all the other clowns that are up in Washington. So, what, what, what do you what are you hoping Trump does instead? I mean, just move on to actually doing the things he promised us uh, during the during the yeah. The, I want him campaign. to move on and do the yeah. I want him to move on and do some of the other things that he said that he could do, and that's something that you know, uh, things that he can do himself. He can't prosecute her. He's got to have the Department of Justice and the FBI take care of that. No, no, absolutely. And I'm, a, yeah. and I'm okay with that, but a pardon? No way. Yeah, very, no way. Very good point, Dan. Dan, thanks for the call. That, I, th- I think a lot of people feel that way. There's a there's a big difference, and that's where the, uh, the political savvy of Trump is going to have to be on display because – I, again, I, I think if he raises a bunch of hell and says, "Oh, now that since Hillary is now joining this recount nonsense after she said she wouldn't," then we all got now. I'm going to go after her, and I, I support this to the to the full extent. Da 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 da. That the media is going to crucify him, and it's going to work backwards. It's going to divide us even more. But I, I think I, I think Dan is right to, to pardon her to, to officially give her a pardon would certainly send the wrong message as well. Let's take another call. Let's go to Columbus and talk to Dean. Dean, quickly, what do you got? Oh, I mean, with Donald Trump, he doesn't have political savvy. But my issue is this. Leave Hillary Clinton alone. What's going to happen? Let the FBI and Justice Department, if they have enough evidence, let them do what they want to do. He should not be involved. He said he was going to do certain things. He needed to get about the business of doing those things that he promised. I, now, I, I don't think it's going to happen because I'm 68. I haven't seen a politician do a damn thing <laughs> they said they was going to do. And if he does, he'll be the first. And that goes for President Obama, whom I voted for twice. Right, right. No, I, I I agree, Dean. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I I, I agree. I I think that I I'm of the opinion he should move on. And, and of course, I I understand it's not his call anyway. So if it's not your call anyway, what well, why why risk even getting just caught up in the muck of this whole thing? Just go take the magnanimous approach, run the country, go about the business. And hey, if the, if the Justice Department decides they're going to do this, that, and the other, then, hey, hey, you know, that's your guys' deal, whatever. I'm focused on this stuff over here. But I, I agree with, I believe it was Dan, or, or the last caller, a, a pardon, I don't know. That That's uh, that, that's going to certainly send the, the wrong message to a lot of people. Let's do this. We're going to take a break, and then when we come back, we're going to be joined by the one and only Richard Skinner. We are, unfortunately, going to talk some Bengals, because I have some insights, and I know Skinny has some insights, and we're going to help each other through this dark time and Bengalsdom. Bengalsdom. Is that a word, Brad? He said dumb Bengals. No, let's not go there. Bengalsdom. Stay right here. 700 WLW. Looking for a newer used vehicle? Browse online at tradeandpaper.com. Cincinnati's free online classifieds. Search inventories from local automobile dealers. List your own vehicles and unwanted items for free and turn them into cash. Go to tradeandpaper.com. <laughs> The Rocky Boyman Show rolls on here on 700 WLW. You know, one of these nights I'm going to come in and we're going to talk about a Bengals victory. I swear to God, one of these nights is going to happen. However, 
Of course, tonight is not that night. The Bengals uh, yesterday fall to 3-7-1. and one. They have not won a game since before Halloween. To discuss this mess, we want to bring on our good friend Richard Skinner of Local 12. Skinny, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good. You know, you're, you're right. At some point, you, you got to win a game in this league, right? Yeah, I, I mean, mean yeah. I mean, there's only Unless so many. Cleveland. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there's only so many scenarios and mathematical. Well, if the Steelers lose three games and then if the Eagles lose two games, and, you know, I mean, at some point, you got to win games in order for this scenario to be possible. Um, I want to start with this, Kenny. I want to get a little bit uh, philosophical with you here uh, to, to start things off. Was there a moment this year, Skinny, where you like you felt it, like where you saw that things are not going to go well for this team? Like anything you could maybe maybe at the time you didn't think about it, or but now you maybe look back and say, "More th- th- here was a clear sign that this season wasn't going to go the way we thought." Believe it or not, the Denver game, and I know that sounds that sounds weird because they were the defending Super Bowl champs, but they came in here with a rookie quarterback, and you just thought, "All right." You know, you, you went to, to New York and pulled out a win against a team that looked like it might be a playoff team, and obviously the way they played has certainly not been that team. You went to Pittsburgh, and, you know, if Tyler Boyd doesn't fumble, maybe you go in and have a chance to tie that game. So, more than one, the two games looked good. The, the Denver game was the one where you all of a sudden went, oh, wow, they've got a little bit of issues in the secondary. They really don't move the football the way you thought they were going to move it. There are some issues in the offensive line. And then they did bounce back to meet Miami, so you know, that felt like a good feel-good moment. But it was almost a Denver game where you just had a little bit of, of pause, uh, cause for pause because it just didn't feel right, didn't look right, and in retrospect, it wasn't even close to right. No, I think you make a good point, Skinny, because, I mean, no matter what, good teams don't lose to rookie quarterbacks making, what, the right. second, third start or whatever it was or, at the time. You know, it, was, it was his third start his first on the road. That was his right, first right, on the road. Right. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, that's a good one. For me, I often wonder, and again, hindsight is always twenty twenty. but I always go back to training camp when the offensive line was struggling. All I mean, just every – couldn't block our own guys, couldn't block Minnesota's guys, couldn't block, you know, the Jaguars guys at some points during some of those preseason games. And I think that offensive line is just, just consistently – Gone, kind of been what what I saw and what you saw early in camp there, and I think you look at the roster and you go, okay, you can talk yourself into okay. A lot of the players are back from last year. We got AJ Green and Eifer will be back soon, and Geno Atkins, boy, he's going to have a good year. And these linebackers are are, are veterans and they know the system. But I, I don't know. There, there's so many things I, I guess you can point back to. But uh, you're right. The, the Denver game was a was a clear. Indicator that uh, things weren't weren't going to go the, the way we thought they would. Uh, let, let me ask you this then. So, so where do you put, I, I guess, most of the blame? I, on one hand, you say, you know, I mean, take this past game for instance, right? They had the what people are calling the the timeout turnover, right? The Bengals get the first down, they call a timeout. Where most teams, if you, as you well know, you you know you have a questionable spot, you run the line of scrimmage and you call a play real quick, so they can't review it. Instead, the Bengals call a timeout. And then the you know the Ravens get time to look at it. So, I mean, there's a a, a coaching debacle. The last what the Redskins Browns the the early uh, the Redskins yeah the Browns and the Giants games in these end of the second quarter. We don't know whether we're trying to get points, whether we're not trying to get points. We're trying to score a field goal. We're trying to throw a hail mary. There's so many instances, Skinny, where you look at this and say, God, I mean, it's got it's not just the players. I mean, the coaches have to bear some of this blame, don't they? They do. I mean, I, I, you know, the, the timeout was a little weird because I'm still not sure if you pin that on Marvin, if you pin that on Andy for, for the clock running down. I mean, it's obviously pinned on somebody. 
uh, I think they, they they fully thought they had the first down and, and didn't even think twice about it. Now, I'm not telling you that's the right decision and that's that's a good coaching thing. I think in that circumstance, initially when it, when it was spotted, I thought to myself, oh, boy, that does not look like it's a first down. And then they spotted it, and I thought, okay, well, you're going to get your next playoffs. It's not going to matter anyway. But in the overall scheme of things, I, I really just think that there were guys that they, they really – thought they evaluated properly that were going to perform at a high level. Um, and I think guys, and we've talked about this before, I think guys got older a year quicker than what everybody thought. You thought mm-hmm. you'd squeeze another year from Malaluga and Dansby, and um, yeah, Adam Jones has played at a good level. He's not played at as high a level as he did last year. Um, you, you know, uh, Clint Bowling, God love him, is playing with one arm since the Miami game, and, and they really don't have a, a replacement for him. Or I think they would have probably, honestly, sat him down for a game or two to get him fully healthy. Uh, but I'm not trying to make an excuse for Clint, but Clint literally is playing with a, a shoulder that might even need surgery. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a mess. Uh, you know, it looked like it, on paper they they were so high on a blade that it, it seemed like a simple thing to let Andre Smith walk. And I don't think there's anybody fan-wise, media-wise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Across the league, they thought that was a bad decision by any stretch. It hasn't worked out, obviously, at all. And, and all those things have snowballed. The funny thing is, and then you start to look, and you've been through this, and sports is so weird because, um, and look, this is not a good team. I'm not here to try to sell you that it's a good team. But they're, they're, you know, you're, they've been three to five plays away for the last four weeks since the tie against against Washington. Mm-hmm. And I mean three to five plays. You can point to them and go, that play, that play, that play, and that's it. You give me those three plays back, you're a winner. And that happens sometimes in sports, and there's no real good, clear explanation for it. Um, I, I do understand the point of the fingers at the coaching staff. When you have not won a playoff game as long as Marvin's been there, I get that. I fully understand that. Uh, and I'm not here to tell you that, that you shouldn't clamor for a change, want to change, want a new voice, all of that stuff. And I'm not going to try to talk anybody out of that, or I'm not going to try to write any anything that suggests that. But it's it's just all the little things that, from age to maybe misevaluation to just honestly a year where weird stuff has happened, bad breaks have happened, all that's added up where there's really no margin for error, and it seems like every margin for error goes against this team. No, you're right. Uh, Richard Skinner joined us here on the program. Follow him on Twitter at local twelve skinny. Um, uh, well, let's talk a bit about the draft because I have been, you know, very a, a proponent of the Bengals front office how they've handled things, especially mm-hmm. the last five six years, and you have know, drafted yep. well, free agent gone up. But but then as as soon as I say that, I start looking back at some of these drafts and okay, look, you get a, you get AJ Green and Andy Dalton in the same draft, great. But I mean, I, I think anybody could see that those two players were going to be really, really good players. Okay, You can see that Tyler Eifert, if he happened to fall to the Bengals, that one was going to work out. But but I feel like, especially from like rounds three on, Skinny, other than getting Geno Atkins in the fourth round a few years ago, I, I don't see the, the depth out of this draft. Instead, I see you know Paul Dawson, third rounder last year, two years ago, not here anymore. Um, you know, uh, C.J. Uzama hasn't pinned out. Uh, Mario Alford, you know, Lavelle Edwards, James Wright, Marquise Flowers. Uh, Kobe Hamilton, Reed Fragel, T.J. Johnson, a lot of these names, and I feel skinny that 
a lot of the, the the good teams in the league, maybe not every year, but seemingly every other year, they pull that diamond out of the rough in the fifth round or the sixth round, or especially at least their top-level guys, their first, second, third rounders, are producing consistently. And, but but I, I feel like I don't see that. Am I wrong here? No, no I, I think it's fair. Um, I, I think Duke Tobin is a really good talent evaluator. I think he's done a good job overall. If you sat down and just said overall mm-hmm. – what, what has he done? I think he's done good things. But, you know, they've whiffed on some defensive linemen. I mean, let's face it, um, Will Clark has been hit and miss and probably more miss than hit, but he's, he's played okay this year. Marcus Hunt has been an absolute disaster. He just He's a second-round pick who he literally can't get on the field for any significant stats. I mean, they signed Willis Gilberry in large part because Marcus can't get on the field. You know, they've had some injury issues, and I'm not, again, I'm not making excuses, but Will Jackson, you'd love to have seen him this year. Yep. Marcus Hardison has not played in two years, for goodness sakes, and, and they thought a lot of him. Uh, you know, Andrew Billings got hurt in training camp, so there's three draft picks right there. Darquez Denard has been behind the eight ball a little bit because of injuries, and, and granted, I know you know he gave up a bad touchdown on Sunday, and he he's not exactly stood out to where you go, oh, hey, okay, can't wait till he plays. Um, but I, I still think the jury is out on it on a kid like that. So, and the other part is when you go to the playoffs, as you know, um, you're drafting lower in the rounds, and and hence you can't really start to miss in those later rounds because. It's one thing in the first round. Look, everybody, if you, if you get everybody, uh, you know, all things being equal, you got, you got really some really good players, you know, one through 32, and you might even consider the second round, too, really good players, you know, one through 64. And then you start to have to really make good choices. You're right. Paul Dawson was a guy that Paul Gunther really thought a lot of. He had some issues from accountability standpoints at TCU where he wasn't a great worker and he wasn't on time all the time. But Paul, I think, thought he could fix that. Because um, he loved his athleticism, loved his ability to play the position, and he just has never gotten over the hump in that regard. That's on Paul, but it's on Paul Dawson as much as it is on anybody else. But but you can't whiff on a third round pick who one year after being picked in the third round is suddenly on your practice squad. That can't happen. Right. So yeah, they've missed on some guys and, and missed on some key guys. Skinny, I mean, let's let's. I know mathematically, I'm sure there's some chance the Bengals. Get to the playoffs, but but uh, I mean, outside of that, that that's not realistically going to happen. If you're from your perspective, what what positive can come out of this year? What what, what should we be cheering for? Other than you know, I never wants to fire the coach and all. And th- there'll be a time to talk about that. But outside of that, this team has what five more games left. Correct. Uh, um, what what should we be rooting for? What should we want to see? What what do you think? Well, I'm, I'm going to answer that, but I'm going to flip it on you. As a player, if you had five games to go, Rocky, where you were mathematically in it, I'm just going to start with that, and I'll, I'll, I'll go to answer your question. As a player, as you were, if you had five games left and the coaching staff started throwing all the young players in, what would you think? Well, I'd say the handwriting's on the wall, and, and if I do get my opportunities, I'm thinking about me, and I'm not thinking about this damn team anymore. And that's exactly okay, what those veterans great. are thinking right now. No. Uh, that's, no, and, that, and it's funny you say that because I thought that was the permeating, permeating talk from the locker room yesterday. It felt like everybody had resigned themselves to the fact of, oh, crap, this is our last stand, and I'm looking out for me, and I'm going to talk about how good I am. That was, that was the most interesting thing to me. Yeah. I do think when you're mathematically eliminated, I, I don't think you can do it until you're mathematically eliminated. Cause I don't think that's fair to anybody. It's not fair to coaches. It's not fair to fans. It's not fair to players. I don't think especially veterans. But when you're mathematically eliminated, then you absolutely start to throw some of the young guys in and let's see what we got. Let's see if these guys can play. Because if they can't, then you have to make some really hard decisions that, that uh, um, will determine what you may be doing in free agency, what you may be doing keeping guys in free agency, what you may be doing then in the draft. So I think that absolutely, when you're mathematically eliminated, and it doesn't seem like it's very far off in the future, then, yeah, you throw some guys in there and let's see what we got. 
Skinner, you're the best, man. We, we appreciate your time. Always uh, read your stuff there on uh, Local 12 on the website there. And uh, we'll talk soon. Hopefully we'll talk after a win one of these days. Yeah, yeah it might be in 2018, but we'll have a good time. <laughs> we'll do it. Rich, you're the best, buddy. Thank you. Thanks, man. You yeah, bet. Absolutely. Uh, Richard Skinny with uh, Local 12. I, I got to tell you, man, I, here, here's where I'm at right now. And, and I'm not saying anything that you as a fan are, are not thinking. I'm probably, uh, I'm sure it's actually the same level of thinking, and that's this. I'm not excited to watch this team right now. I, I found myself on Sunday as the game was going on. You know, usually I'm locked in and I want, I'm watching the, you know, every, especially the you know, third downs and the ebbs and flows of the game. I found myself, you know, flipping through my phone and, you know, doing this and doing that, finding like every excuse. Like I was having to make myself watch this team. Like this team is not exciting right now. It's not, it's not fun. They're not, it's not, it's not fun football to watch. And, and I know all of us have been, around this team for a long time and, and we've gone through a lot of the you know the the dark ages of the 90s and 2000s but I was largely you know especially in the 2000s I mean I was playing so I didn't feel that as as a as a fan you know I mean oh the hell I was worried about my you know my own team and, and that sort of deal so I guess ever since I've been covering this team media wise say you know last what four years off you know to some degree team's always been good right always have been in it always have been playoff contenders so and for that reason they've been fun to watch but because maybe maybe it's just because the playoffs are not going to be an option now but I feel like it's more than I feel like there's it's just it's just not a fun team to watch and and I hate that I hate that because as a fan I, I mean as a broadcaster also Want to want to root for the team that I'm I'm talking about. I want this team to win. I want them to do good. I want these players. I like a lot of these players. I want them to do well. But I find myself having to, especially last week. I mean, it it was it was hard. It was like burdensome to sit through the three and a half hours of this game. And none of us want that. But I guess that's the reality of where we are. Let's do this. We'll take a break. Come back with more. Seven hundred WLW. Eleven twenty six. On 700WLW. Make sure you check out the blog, 700WLW.com. Search word Rocky Boyman. I have, um, so, um, as I told you last week, we had our reunion for the Super Bowl. Um, uh, Not yesterday, but uh, last Sunday. And I put a few pictures out there on Twitter, but um, I actually did a full blog post of, like, more pictures and described a few things and, and just, you know, some comments on that. So, um and make sure you check that out, 700WLW.com, search word Rocky Boyman. Um, just a few things I'm trying to check out what the latest is here on the old uh, on the uh, the Ohio State thing. No real news coming out about that. I, I do think it's interesting. We're going to talk to uh, Ed Bridgman here, a terrorism expert. Uh, he's an associate professor for criminal justice at UC. We're going to have him here at uh, 9.35, just to determine what uh, the the latest with what's going on up, up in Ohio State, but also, is this terrorism, right? That, that's that, that's the thing all the media outlets are, are discussing right now. Is this terrorism? Is it not? Is it this and that? Well, t- to me, it seems to follow a lot of the same patterns, especially the recent ones. If you look uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, ISIS, they put out some propaganda material that uh, called for Things such as using vehicles, using knives, um, using machetes, you know, these sort of things that are, uh, I would say, less or, or more concealable, easier to get, uh, more of certainly crude, and in my opinion, inflict that much more amount of terror. 
I mean, that, that's the ultimate goal. It's not necessarily even to, to take people's lives. It's to make you live in fear. And, and I know that the thought of, of a, having a gun pointed at you and getting shot is, is a very terrifying thing. But just from a pure, you, you know, uh, I, I don't know how to say this, but, but just a pure one-on-one standpoint, uh, someone coming at you with, with a butcher knife or a machete that, that that's pretty gruesome. That that that's some terrifying kind of stuff. That that's the ultimate goal, and this is the stuff that's been put out in propaganda. And lo and behold, it, a lot of these same measurements and things they were calling for are what happened up in Ohio State with uh, with the, the Somali uh, Somali refugee guys. So anyway, we're going to talk to Ed Bridgman, our terrorism expert, uh, here next. So stay right here. This is the Rocky Boyman Show, and this is Seven Hundred WLW. Welcome back to the show. So the big debate going on right now after the Ohio State attack is, well, was this terror? Was this just um, some quote-unquote lone wolf, which I don't believe in that term? Was this just a a guy who went crazy and did a uh, horrible thing, or was there more to this? Is it related to terrorism as we understand it? A lot of media outlets are very reluctant to use that term. CNN, of of course, um, as I see them in the studio here on the TV um, not uh, willing to use that term right now. Does it matter? Is this terrorism, and should that matter to any of us? I'll ask our next guest. His name is Ed Bridgman. He's a terrorism expert and associate pro- uh, professor of criminal justice at UC. Ed, how are you, buddy? I'm just fine, thank you. Very good. So let me ask you, was this incident uh, quote-unquote terror, uh, according to uh, the accepted definition of, of what that means? It sure smells like it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it, it does fit the pattern. It fits the uh, uh, the direction that uh, terrorism is going uh, with the uh, individual personalized attacks. And as a matter of fact, uh, in the last oh couple uh, weeks to a month, uh, both Al Shabaab and ISIS have encouraged exactly this. This type of attacks using yes. vehicles, uh, using knives, uh, because it's uh, uh, easier to get uh, these either a vehicle or a knife than it is to get a firearm. Right. Well, just to, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't there another incident in Columbus? Um, I, I don't know a while ago that maybe last year where you know a m- Muslim man comes in and starts hacking. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. People up in an Ohio restaurant somewhere. You do see these. You also, of course, uh, said earlier. Uh, remember in Nice, France, a couple months ago, a guy, and there was no guns, there was no bombs, nothing that we're used to seeing. A guy took a huge, a huge damn truck and ran over a bunch of people. So, so what is it with these, these new instruments of of terror that that, that we're seeing? Is, it, is that they're they're more terrifying? I mean, I mean, in in the in the essence of it all, I, I think getting hacked with a machete is more terrifying than even being shot at or getting run over by a car. So is this part of ISIS's plan or what? Well, certainly it, it's a more personal uh, type of attack. Uh, you know, somebody standing in the door of, 
a nightclub or a cafe and spraying the room with an AK-47 uh, is certainly terrible, but uh, coming you know, face-to-face, looking in the eyes of somebody who is hacking at you uh, or looking at a, uh, a vehicle, uh, as in Marseille, coming at you with a, uh, uh, a lot of speed and intention is certainly uh, terrifying. And remember, the purpose of terrorism is to terrify. Right. That's exactly uh, what they intend to do, uh, and we shouldn't be a bit surprised when uh, when we are terrorized by what they do. Absolutely. Now, the, the perpetrator here, uh, either he's, some reports say he's 18, some say he's 20, uh, Abdul Artan, Somalian descent, um, he, he's now deceased. And as I said earlier, the only unfortunate part about that is he cannot be questioned to his motives and who his friends were, who he's hanging out with. So, Ed, in your experience, to describe the process that is most likely going on right now by the authorities. I assume looking into his family, looking at phone records, looking into his roommate, looking into how he got the house he was living in. What's the process here? Well, I'm sure the, one of the primary things they're going to be doing is mining his social media. Uh, that, that seems to be the uh, primary vehicle that... Uh, these uh, self-radicalized individuals uh, uh, express their uh, beliefs, their uh, intentions, and uh, that I would I would say is for the first thing they're going to be looking at. Certainly, going after uh, talking to acquaintances, uh, but understand that that many of these uh, uh, individuals uh, purposely put on a very placid. Uh, very compliant, uh, non-radicalized front uh, to uh, uh, just yeah. lull everybody around them into a uh, a sense of uh, of calm about who they are. Right, right. Well, and to your point, it was the same thing with the San Bernardino killers. I mean, their coworkers, for for God's sake. We're having baby showers for them. I mean, it's like they, they were a part of the community. And then what causes that, Ed? Is it, is it, I mean, are they that deceitful or they know all along in months, years in advance that at some point they're going to do this and they're just really, really good? Or, or does it just, or do they start off with good intentions and then become radicalized? Um, maybe because they feel discriminated against? Which way is it, Ed? Well, it's, it's a lot of all of the above. Uh, not everyone arrives at their uh, philosophical uh, foundation in the same way. And in, in, in this same way, not everyone is radicalized in the same way. Some it's gradual, some it's uh, familial, uh, that they, they <laughs> literally get it with their mother's milk. Uh, some of them uh, are like many of the uh, Somalis we've seen uh, that have been radicalized in this country uh, are second generation, where their parents... Uh, saw the uh, depredations of uh, the problems in their home country, came here to get their children away from that. Yeah. And then here in the midst of uh, all of the affluence and the availability of education and opportunity, they turn backwards uh, into the radicalization, the exact radicalization that drove, in many cases, their parents out of their home country. Yeah, and to me, that that's my, my number one thing I cannot and will never understand, and I'm sure all the people listening to this program can understand. I mean, these people left Somalia. I mean, a third-world dictatorship 
hellhole, right? I'm talking cesspool, just awful place, right? So you escape that and you come to America where all you got to do is have a pulse and you get some, you get free education, you get free health care, you get everything ever you could ever imagine, plus all the freedoms to make something of yourself. And, and this is the damn repayment we get? Why is that? What's the psychology here? Well, it's a, we asked that same question uh, back in the uh, 60s and early 70s when we saw the uh, the children of uh, very uh, well-to-do, uh, very well-established conservative individuals turn to uh, student activism and then into uh, groups like the Weather Underground. Uh, it, it's that exact same progression that is almost an embarrassment uh, of, against the, uh, uh, the the good things that they have an embarrassment that their parents uh, cared so much about them, and they uh, they turn against that uh, in rebellion. Yeah. So, so what do we do then, Ed? Do we? I mean, do we do what a lot of people are are calling for, and that is not let these people in from these war war torn countries? I mean, look. I, I mean, we we love to be open our arms up and, and assume that everyone is great and everyone's wonderful and everyone's going to make a positive change and take the right road. But it seems like Ed more and more we're seeing these people take the wrong road eventually. So what do we do? Do we just err on the side of, look, we'd like to be inclusive here, but at the same time, I, I don't want my, my son or my daughter going off to college and getting hacked to bits by a machete. What do we do, Ed? Well, uh, we look back historically that, that many of our ancestors, I know my uh, great-grandfather uh, on, on both sides, uh, came to this country, uh, one from Germany, one from uh, Scotland, uh, because they wanted something better. They weren't necessarily fleeing something. They were going toward something better. Mm, mm-hmm. And when they got here, they became Americans. They assimilated. Yes, now, they yes. Didn't their culture. They didn't, but what we're seeing now is individuals who are... are Fleeing uh, some uh, depredation in their in their home country, uh, and they're coming here, and they have no desire to become a part of America. They ghettoize themselves. Uh, they retain their language. They retain their dress uh, and their culture, uh, and uh, their uh, some of their the primitiveness of of what they left behind. And and they don't uh, move toward uh, the same kind of assimilation that our immigrant uh, parents, grandparents, great grandparents did. Uh, Ed, you're a hundred percent right. That that is the big difference. And, and I can't stand the argument when everyone says, "Oh, America is the melting pot, and we're a nation of immigrants." Of course, we're a nation of immigrants. But when my ancestors and your ancestors came over uh, from Ellis Island, there was an expectation. First of all, there was an expectation that you were going to make it on your own. There was no welfare system. There was no handouts. So you either going to sink or swim. And if you sunk, then you know what? Too bad. That's your own damn problem. But the other you know, thing that was expected of you was that you were going to wave the American flag and you were going to speak English and you were going to adapt some of your culture. I mean, what kind of crazy institution, what kind of crazy country 
it just gives, 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 and doesn't demand anything in return. We let these people come over here, and, and I'm all for immigration. I, I am. We, we, we need that. That's how this country works. But there's got to be some expectation level for whoever comes over here that, damn it, you've got to hold up your end of the bargain if you want all these great things that this country is going to provide for you. Well, I think when, when we ask, uh, when, when people ask us, uh, can we come into your country, we have not just the right, but the responsibility to ask them uh, what what they expect and what they are bringing into the country, what they're bringing in in the way of talents. In, in other words, what do you bring into the table, right? I mean, I mean, let's have a, use a football example here. Do the Cincinnati Bengals take just any old player that happens to be down on their luck, and boy, they'd sure love a job, or do you say, hey, we'd love to have you, but what kind of talents do you have that are going to make us better? Uh, only an insane country doesn't ask that, Ed, and we don't we don't do it. I don't, I don't understand it. Uh, we have come to the point of saying, you know, a person is a refugee, and they have the right to come here uh, from anywhere. And uh, um, we have we have the right to say who is a refugee and what is the definition of a refugee. Uh, I I have sometimes I've asked myself many many times. Uh, all of these, uh, the people who are, are fleeing the problems in Syria, uh, if if they're so bad, you know, why don't you why don't you stick around and fight for them? Yeah, no, uh, no, that the Ed, you you make way too much sense for for this country that we're living in. <laughs> you absolutely do, and we, we got to run. But I appreciate your time. This has been fantastic. Thanks for coming on the Rocky Boyman Show. Sure, let me just say one more. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Heard, yeah, shoot, go ahead. Three, three, three people different say tonight that uh, uh, this guy was not on anybody's radar, and we should be aware of the fact that he wasn't on the radar because the current administration turned the radar off. Ah, yeah. Well, thank God we got Donald Trump, right? That's a loaded question. I I don't expect you to answer that one on air. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks very much. I'll say it. Thank God we got Donald Trump in office. I I can't imagine this sort of thing happening. Again, I'll give you the example that I just gave Ed. Name whatever job you work at, okay? There's a lot of people that are unemployed, people that are down on their luck, and would love a job, would love employment. But does your employer just open the doors to anybody and say, yeah, come on in, man, we'll pay you a salary and we'll we'll give you health benefits and you can work in this nice warm office here and, 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 and everything will be fantastic? Or do you say, hey, we'll give you all these benefits and we'll pay you handsomely, but in turn – you got to do something for us, right? And which means, first of all, you're going to join our team, okay? I, I, you don't see me wearing a, a B105 shirt when I come into work here at 700 WLW because that's not that's not how it works. You're expected to kind of root for your own team, and you're expected to produce. You're expected per, to produce some something, okay, of value, and that should be more. That should be valued. When we're looking at immigrants, there's a lot of people that want to get in the country. What is wrong with looking toward the best and the brightest? Yes, I want people with different thoughts and different perspectives and different stories and different uh, ways of life that can come in and enrich our country. But if you're going to come in here and you're not going to assimilate and you're, and you're not going to give anything for all that you're taking, what is the use? And I know from a strictly you know Christian thing, we should help. I understand all that. But we don't, we, we don't have the resources. We physically don't have the resources to just give everything to everybody, A, and B, at the same time, a lot of these people are killing us. What, what sense does this make?
Let's take a break. 700 WLW. All right, folks, our time has come and gone here tonight. I will be in the whole week, though. I'm actually fired up. Uh, football season, uh, the regular season has come to a close, so minus bowl games, I will be on here uh, every night for the foreseeable future. I want to thank my producer, Brad Steen, for his excellent work here tonight. Um, but right now, it's America's Truck and Network with Steve Summers. Folks, see you tomorrow, 700 WLW. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.